Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Game day is the nothing personal word of the day. It is finally game day. Game day is used by every sport now. You've got college game day and NFL game day, but it's game day. Game one of the World Series starts tonight, Friday, October 28th. A lot of people have been asking me, I mean, not like on the street or anything, because I don't really go onto the street too often, but a lot of people are asking, why the long layoff? Why not keep the momentum going? Why not start the World Series immediately after the two league championship series end? And then you can not compete against the NFL. You could take the weekend off, not compete against college football. Not exactly how it works because of something called logistics. When there is a World Series, there are parties associated with the World Series where all the league sponsors are flying in and all of the it's really the marketing people, the companies who are the league sponsors, and it's a total boondoggle. But you've got some owners who fly in. You've got some other executives who fly in. You have VIPs who are doing first pitches. You're arranging with celebrities. You've got national anthem singers. You don't just say, hey, we'd like you to come sing the anthem, and we're not exactly sure what day it'll be, but it'll be in this range, so please keep it open. Negative. You don't say to big-time sponsors, could you make a trip to Houston? It could start as late as Friday, October 28th, but it could start as early as Tuesday, the 25th. No. You set a time, you set a day, and that's it. The reason that times are TBD is beyond me. Everyone knew the World Series was starting at 8.03. I think each game is at 8.03, all seven games. There's no reason to do it. Everybody does that with their rounds, like wild card games, I understand, because you want to do TBD according to matchups. In football, you're doing matchups. But like the league championship, the NFC championship, and the AFC championship, you know what time they're going to be, one on Fox and one on CBS. So just tell us when they are. Completely ridiculous. So it is game day. Players are sleeping right now. It's 6.38 in Houston. Everybody on the Phillies and Astros, every player is fast asleep. The manager, not asleep. Manager's likely out. You've got Dusty Baker going against Rob Thompson. They're likely out getting coffee right now, maybe getting a workout in, going to the gym. For an 8 o'clock game, they'll get to the park around 11 or 11.30, which is quite a bit earlier than the players will get to the park. 
There is a schedule of events for everybody involved, players, manager. Coaches don't have a schedule. They're going to try to do everything the same with BP and hitters meetings and pitchers meetings. But it's a different feeling. You get to see your uniform that has the World Series patch on it. The hats have the World Series patch. You get to look on the field at the stencil. Have you ever seen, do you know how on the stadium they do stencils on the grass of the stadium? The postseason stencil. It's very cool. It's done with spray paint. And it's done with a big board that is the stencil. You lay the board on the grass and then you paint. Not like carefully because the letters are already cut out for postseason, etc. Or it'll say World Series tonight, not postseason. And you just paint the whole board and then you lift it up and then boom it says world series so it's an exciting day there are 28 owners right now who are not excited at all when you're not in it it just sucks because all you want to do is be in it so let's talk about the game a little bit on the field because there's been so much talk off the field you don't need to hear any more pregame Right, It's been days of pregame. You understand the storylines of Houston trying to win its second World Series here for the fourth time in six years. You understand that the Phillies under Bryce Harper, who they signed to the 13-year deal starting in 2019, have never been here. That the Phillies were last in the World Series in 09, last one in 08. Let me give you some keys to victory, though, because there's going to be a game on the field. And the interesting thing, having spoken to players who've, been, who've played in the World Series— when the game starts, pregame, totally different. It's different. Opening day is a very different feeling than game 15, than game 100. The wild card round is different than the division series, different than the league championship series. The World Series, the lead up, the anticipation, the excitement, it's different. But every player will tell you that when the first pitch is thrown, and managers feel this too, frankly, I felt it too as an executive. When the first pitch is thrown, there's just this, this looks familiar. It's like Tom Hanks recreating Wilson when Wilson needed to get a little more blood on him to make his face. And he looks right at Wilson and says, I know you. I know you. That's how players feel when a game starts. They feel like they know this game. And they do. However... There are going to be some storylines, and I want to go through a couple keys here in game one. Let's start with the home team favored Astros. The first key to me is that it is important for the players to realize that they have not accomplished a thing. And that seems counterintuitive to say because they've won the pennant, and they should feel really good about winning the pennant. It's amazing to be in the World Series four times in six years. But in terms of their legacy, in terms of their dynasty, in terms of winning a ring, I've never seen a player ever wear a pennant ring. I don't know if you know this, but you get a ring when you go to the World Series. There's a World Series winning ring, but winning the pennant, you get a pennant ring. I've never seen anyone wear it. So they have to get into their mind that they have not accomplished anything, period. Two, you're going to watch a guy who's five foot five lead off tonight. His name is Jose Altuve. He's the one who ripped, got his shirt ripped off, didn't, didn't want to get his shirt ripped off. He said his wife doesn't want to see his chest on live TV. Was he wearing a buzzer? Was he not wearing a buzzer? He's saying he didn't even use the garbage cans. Totally exonerated. 
He's me. I mean, he's twice as wide as I am. When I met him in the airport, I met him in the airport in San Diego when we got to San Diego for the All-Star Game. That was the first time I'd seen him, and uh, it was fascinating. God, I hope I'm not misremembering that. I hope I did see him in 2016. Uh, I hope he was in the All-Star Game, Coca, because, of course, it could have been somewhere else, but I have some recollection of him being there, but it may not have been. Anyway, I've met Jose Altuve scores of times. Uh, It's crazy. He's my size. The key to an Astros victory, he can't have the type of series he had in the division series in the LCS. He went 0 for the division series. He got two hits in the LCS, one each of the last two games. He's got to get on base because behind him is that rookie, Jeremy Pena, who replaced Carlos Correa, the $30 million guy. Jordan Alvarez, maybe the thir- he'll finish third in the MVP race. He is the only player other than Judge to slug and have an OPS over 1,000. He's just incredible. Alex Bregman is my pick for MVP. So there's a lot of people who can drive him in, but you need someone to drive in. Altuve on base. Three. One of the things that Altuve does in other Astros is they're very impatient at the plate, and they like sniping. That's the verb that we use. He's a sniper. That's someone who is a first-pitch swinger. That's someone who is sitting on a fastball. That's someone we call people, players, guessing. You're a get. We used to say guessing Judy. That's not very nice, actually, so maybe we shouldn't say that anymore. But people who just, they're players who just guess. The Astros have to show patience at the plate. I'd like to see them work the count against Aaron Nola, get Aaron Nola's pitch count up, and see if you can get into the middle relievers of the Phillies, which is a weakness that the Astros don't have. But the Phillies, one of their relievers is my guy, Brad Hand. Brad, if anyone's listening who knows you, because you're not going to be listening today, I'm sorry. I'm sorry what we did to you with the Marlins with your career. We called you up too early. We totally misused you. Every time you had a bad game, we would send you out or penalize you. You totally lost confidence as a starter. You've become a successful, very successful, wealthy bullpen guy. So congratulations to that. But I'm sorry for how we started your career. But you're not really effective, as effective as you've been. As you know, you're in middle relief. Having the Astros get to middle relief right now, that is going to be important. And the last one is the whole crowd factor. We've been hearing about the Phillies crowd all postseason. The Phillies crowd is fine. They're very loud. They're totally into it. I get it. Citizens Bank Park sounds intimidating. Players don't view it that way. They don't get intimidated by large crowds, by loud crowds. But there's something about scoring first in a game when you're at home that gets the crowd going even more and just makes you sort of feel good as the home team. So a key to victory for the Astros for me is going to be scoring first. How do the Phillies combat this? Remember what the first key was for the Astros? You haven't accomplished anything yet. The first key to the Phillies is don't believe that you've accomplished everything already. Don't accept winning the pennant as your victory. And it's going to be easy to do. And Bryce Harper even touched on it a little bit. While he did say we have four to go, there was some level of pride in reaching the World Series. I get it. They're an 87-win team. By the way, the disparity between the number of wins of the two World Series teams is one of the biggest in history. So, of course, when I say something like that in general terms, it means I don't have the exact stat in my mind. But just take my word for it. 87 wins versus the Astros. What did they get? 106? 
Is that what the Astros won? Something like that, Coca? That is a, a pretty large 19 game, assuming 87-106 is the answer. So the Phillies have said, you know, we're happy to be here, the expanded playoffs, but for that, we wouldn't even have made the playoffs. So we're excited. I don't like having the team say that. We were very careful as Marlins in 03 not to in any way let our players believe that beating the Cubs and winning the pennant mattered at all. Now, we celebrated like it was 1999, but we just did not want anyone to be satisfied. So that's one of the big keys to a victory in the first game is to come out as though, hey, you're right back in the division series trying to advance over the over the hated Braves, by the way. Two, Bryce Harper is going to need help. Bryce Harper is a superstar. Bryce Harper is likely the best player on either team. He's certainly playing the best on e- of any player on either team. But you can game plan against a player. It's very hard to game plan against a deep lineup. The Astros have the deeper lineup, but you've got to get Schwarber and Hoskins and JT Ralamuto ahead of Harper. They've got to get on base. Harper needs help. He needs to come up to bat with. It is 19 games, Coca. The second largest win differential of all time. This is official. It's from Coca. The 1906 World Series was between two teams who were separated by 23 wins in the regular season. So this is the, should be the second biggest and is the second biggest differential. Thank you. That must have been hard to find because you were about 30 seconds past it, but you knew I was going to get past it, but thanks for telling me. So getting Harper help. Three, the Phillies made a big decision to start Aaron Nola, their second best pitcher. Zach Wheeler is clearly their best pitcher right now. He's their hottest pitcher right now. I've explained on CBS Sports HQ and on various other networks why they started Nola. And that is because he's going to pitch game one and game five. And then if the series goes seven, he is going to be available out of the bullpen. Zach Wheeler and his injury history does not have the ability to go one, five, seven. So he's just going to go two and six. To make this worthwhile, you've got to get to seven. You've got to get to five. And to do that, you've got to have great Nola in one. Because if Verlander, who is not historically good in the World Series. The Cy Young Award winner this year, the presumptive Cy Young Award winner, he's going to win the Cy Young Award, his third, 39 years old, coming off Tommy John. Guess what? He is 0-6. 0-6 with like a, what is it, Coca, a 6-3-6 ERA in the, in the World Series. He's been horrific. He was there with the Tigers. He's been there with the Astros. This is his, this may be his fourth World Series one with the Tigers, and two with the Astros. So I'm going to say this is his fourth World Series, 0-6. You need good Verlander, 5-6-80 RA. Okay, I was close. So they need a great NOLA. And the last key to victory for the Phillies is something that I like to call bullpen perfection. One of the things that we don't do as executives, but we do do in the media, is we give unrealistic thoughts, analysis, and expectations for teams. Everyone inside the Phillies organization 
knows that there will not be bullpen perfection. This time of year, there is no bullpen perfection. As good as the bullpens have been for both teams, or the late bullpen for Phillies and the entire bullpen for the Astros, the Astros' bullpen, the Astros' bullpen has an ERA below one. They just don't give up runs. They have the best starters and the best bullpen. You can't score against them. It's quite remarkable. Although the Yankees had such a bad offense, but it doesn't matter. You can't score against them. This time of year, bullpen arms are exhausted. People may not remember this, but for those of you old enough to remember our World Series, we had blown saves left and right. Ugether Bina couldn't even lift his arm by the end of the postseason. Braden Looper was on fumes. It's totally normal. It's why you've got starters who go into the game as bullpen arms during the postseason because of the exhaustion of the bullpen arms. So while I tell you bullpen perfection is a key to Phillies victory, the fact of the matter is the Phillies internally do not believe that because they're saying we've got to be able to win four games out of seven with bullpen imperfection. But bullpen perfection, especially in a game one situation where you can go from Nola right to Dominguez, that would be ideal. Skip the whole bridge. So it's going to be exciting. We're about 12 hours and 13 minutes away from first pitch. The best thing about a seven-game series, and I sort of like it more, in some ways, I was thinking about this last night, staring at the ceiling. I was thinking about the winner-go-home concept, the elimination game concept, and how every league wants as many elimination games as possible. I was thinking about the NCAA college basketball tournament where every game is an elimination game and there is a frenzy of interest. It is a billion-dollar business. There are people like me who watch the NCAA college basketball tournament who don't watch any other college basketball games at all. But you're watching a game between two teams you've never heard of because you're going to see heartbreak and you're going to see elation. The NFL playoffs, obviously you've heard of every team, but you know at the end of the game, it is a definitive win or lose. In a seven-game series, what is the importance of game one? What happens? Well, what you do in a seven-game series is you're going to get inundated with stats. The first stat you're going to hear is, winner of game one wins the series 68.9% of the time. Teams up 2 nothing in a series go on to win 92% of the time. In a game three tied at one, the winner of game three wins 70% of the time. You start hearing all these things because that's what you have to do. I've got a stat for you. The winner of a game seven wins the series 100% of the time. I mean, talk about great odds. But the advantage of a seven-game series is that it's a story. It's like a movie or a book and you get to see it unravel in front of you. Different storylines will reveal themselves. You get familiarity. When you watch an NBA seven-game series, isn't there something amazing about watching the same guys line up five against five, the familiarity they have with each other, where the coaches have to try to come up with different game plans? I mean, I guess in the NBA, the only call, the only play you call is one on four. It's total isolation right now. Hey, just take the ball, dribble till the 24-second clock is running out, and then do a step back three. All right, do we got that? All right, game two. Here's our plan. But pretending that's not the case and pretending that 
There is actual intellect that goes into game planning. Can you imagine a seven-game football series with the brilliance of NFL coaches to put in game plans and execute game plans? How you could set up certain formations over six games and then do the same formation in the seventh game with a totally different play? How amazing would that be? Just to watch the play happen. So I like seven-game series. Game one is the first chapter. So tune in tonight. Okay. I read yesterday, the rule in baseball is that uh, you're not allowed. You get a memo from the commissioner. There's all these memos. They used to come in... uh, in handwritten form where you'd get envelopes, literally, from the office of the commissioner, 270 Park Avenue, it's not where it is anymore, and you'd open it and be letters from Bud or letters from people who work for Bud. And then the internet and and email and everything like that started, and you'd get emails from the commissioner's office. And often it would say, hard copy to follow. (laughs) That doesn't happen anymore. You ever see that anymore? In Major League Baseball, they have a thing. The thing is, they have a lot of things. One of the big things is no announcements during the postseason without prior written permission of Major League Baseball. If you want to hire a manager, or you want to hire a general manager, or you want to make an announcement of any kind, you cannot do it without Rob Manfred saying you're allowed to. I don't know why teams make announcements during the postseason. Do you remember the Marlins' new manager? Remember that announcement? It happened a few days ago. Were you focused on it? Skip Schumacher? Did you care? Didn't even make our show. Yesterday we read that the president of baseball operations for the Milwaukee Brewers is stepping down. The day before the World Series, they announced in a big press release with quotes galore that David Stearns is stepping down. Why? What's the purpose? Why allow any sort of announcement like that during the course of the World Series? It's not like these series go on for a month. The World Series will be over a week from tomorrow no matter what. If David Stearns is stepping down and not running the Brewers anymore, you can announce it in a week and you can have his replacement still doing work. You can still interview, you can still do all those things. But what's the purpose? David Stearns is a successful executive who's led the Brewers to an unprecedented stretch of success over the last five years. They had a four-year playoff streak broken this year when they got beaten out by the Phillies by one game. Matt Arnold is a guy we interviewed with the Marlins. I spent about three hours with him. He is a very, very smart, good executive who's taking over for David Stearns. Why would David Stearns step down? He's claiming he's stepping down because he always knew there'd be a secession plan and this was it and it was the appropriate time. He left the organization in a way better condition than he found it, like the Brewers are a damn campsite. Don't believe any of that. 
it was announced that he was stepping down to become an advisor to the owner, Mark Anastasia. He's not going to be an advisor to Mark Anastasio. He's going to the New York Mets to get a piece of the team and run it if Theo Epstein turns it down. He's been the second choice of the New York Mets and Steve Cohn since Steve Cohn bought the team. He tried to get David Stearns and Theo last year and settled with Billy Epler. Once Sandy Alderson stepped down, it became clear someone was going to go in above Billy Epler. Rumors exist that he's been meeting with Theo. You think David Stearns just stepped down? Do you think he's getting the same salary or will continue to earn the same amount as a special advisor to an owner as he earned as president of baseball operations? And I don't care what your salary is, whether you're the Andrew Friedman making 10 million bucks or making $1 million. Doesn't matter. You do not walk away unless you've won multiple World Series and you are burnt out and you're old. David Stearns hasn't won a thing. Zero. You can be as smart as you want. I don't care. Do you know how many rings he has on his finger? A wedding ring. I actually don't know whether he's married. The purpose of that, you want to change that? All right, four, six, nine. The only ring that David Stearns has on his finger is one that he could buy at a jewelry store. Nothing. For as good as the Brewers have been, they didn't even make it to the World Series. They don't have a pennant ring. Forget a World Series ring. If you're stepping down to take another job, then take the other job. Don't say you're going to be an advisor because you thought this was the right time to pass the torch. What are you, 70? And by the way, there's no reason to stop working when you're 70. What are you, 90? You don't even have to stop when you're 90. He's in the prime of his career. Oh, spend more time with the family? He didn't say that, but everyone says that. I thought this was the right time. I want to be there for my kids. Yeah, two times dropping off a carpool. It's the end of that. What it means for the Brewers? Matt Arnold's ready to run it. That doesn't interest me. What does it mean for the Mets? Will David Stearns be okay being the second choice? How do executives with big egos feel? or coaches with big egos feel, or players with big egos? How do they feel when they know that a team tried to sign a different free agent, didn't get a free agent? Do you ever read about that? They're waiting for the first guy to sign. It's like every right fielder, every outfielder this year is going to wait for Judge to sign, or they're going to try to, like with the shortstops last year, we're going to see when the dominoes fall. How's the ego of players when they know that, hey, we really tried to get Judge, but we're going to settle for the jury, whatever the case may be. They don't care. As long as the price is right, you can be the 10th choice. If Theo Epstein doesn't take the job with the Mets and David Stearns does, and David Stearns gets a little piece of the action, you think he's going to go to bed at night, put his head on the pillow and say, man, that was, he really wanted Theo, not me. I'm so sorry, Steve, but you're going to grow to like me and you're going to grow to respect me? No. Managers who were interviewed. Come on. Everybody's been a second or third or fourth choice once upon a time. Just make yourself the right choice.
in your job, if someone passes up a promotion and you end up getting it, or you take over for someone who left who the company didn't want to leave, but you now do their job, do it better than they did. Do it better than they ever could. Make the higher-ups in your company, make the higher-ups in baseball realize, wow, he should have been the first choice from the beginning. And don't listen when the announcement comes because when David Stearns gets hired or when any manager or GM gets hired, it's always the same statement. This is who we had our eye on the whole time. This is the perfect fit. Skip Schumacher was the perfect fit for the Marlins. What a bunch of crap. We'll see how it all ends with David Stearns. But he's no longer with the Brewers. All right, we come back. We're reviewing a new movie on Apple. And we're going to talk a little bit about a, uh, a Russell Wilson situation that was very surprising to me as they're sitting there right now across the pond. Don't go away. We will be right back. This podcast is sponsored by Ramp. Are you the decision maker in your company? Consider this. For the first time in decades, there's a better option for a corporate card and spend management platform. Meet Ramp, the only corporate card and spend management system designed to help you spend less money so you can make more. Most corporate credit cards offer points as incentives, but those points amount to less than their worth in real cash value. Ramp's business cards offer you cash back, real money in your pocket. Plus, you control who spends what with each vendor. And Ramp's software collects and verifies receipts automatically, which means you'll stop wasteful spending and close your books in hours instead of days. Businesses that use Ramp add up to 5% to their bottom line the first year. If you're a decision maker, adding Ramp could be one of the best decisions you've ever made. And now get $250 when you join Ramp for free. Just go to ramp.com slash easy. Ramp.com slash easy. R-A-M-P dot com slash easy. Currents issued by Sutton Bank and Celtic Bank members of DIC terms and conditions apply. Welcome back to Nothing Personal. We're getting close. I'm not sure exactly how this happens, but nothing personal with David Sampson is a YouTube channel. There's a way to just hit the subscribe button. I know that more of you are watching and listening to the show than hit the subscribe button because we get all the numbers. So please just hit that button because we want to get to 10,000 so we can give away something that just is putting a hole in my pocket. Ooh, that's, that's an unfortunate expression. A hole in my pocket generally means cash. No. It's not cash. We're not giving away cash. This is not the New York State Lottery. Memorabilia, yes. I guess you can convert that to cash. I guess anything's cash. Anything can be cash. Just have to sell it. All right, I watched a movie. I watch a movie every day. There's certain movies that no matter when they come out, I'm going to watch them because there's certain cast members who I'm going to watch. New movie called Raymond and Ray. You may not have heard of it. It's on Apple TV+. Plus. It stars Ewan McGregor and Ethan Hawke. It is rare, if ever, that I will miss a Ewan McGregor vehicle. And I started loving Ewan McGregor with train spotting, followed him through Moulin Rouge, all the way through Big Fish, and continued on. I'm not sure he's ever made a bad movie, but I don't have his IMDb in front of me, but absolutely love him. Raymond and Ray are brothers. Weird, right? It's the same name. Raymond and Ray were named the same name by their father, who is now dead. Raymond and Ray is about the journey that Raymond and Ray make once they found out that their father had died. It is a quirky, interesting movie that is all about the actors. It's not about explosions or special effects or stunt people. It's not about music. It is about 
a group of people getting together and giving you insight into how to process a parent's death when you've had a complicated relationship with your parent. I'm not sure who hasn't had a complicated relationship with their parent, but the fact is this movie has the perfect tone. Ethan Hawke is sort of this gruff brother. He's sort of the one in a t-shirt and the and the work boots. Ewan McGregor is the buttoned up brother. No hair out of place. They purposely have Ethan Hawke's hair messy the whole time and Ewan McGregor's hair perfect the whole time. The way that they both remember their dad or their relationship with their dad has no intersection, so they think. They both think that they relate to their dad totally differently. And it turns out it may not be so different. It's called Raymond and Ray. I'm giving it a very, very strong suggestion. It's emotional in that Anytime you're dealing with the death of a parent, there's emotion involved, there's complication involved. Watch Raymond and Ray. Tom Brady is two games under 500 for the first time in his career. I'm just going to make sure that you can think about that statement. Tom Brady, the 45-year-old separated father of three. How irrelevant is it, his personal life? (laughs) Tom Brady, the greatest quarterback of all time, has been on such good teams his whole career. He's never been two games under 500. Tom Brady played against a quarterback named Lamar Jackson last night in Tampa, who my guess is, is young enough to be his son. Coca, it's your favorite team. How old is Lamar Jackson? I'm going to guess 24, 25. I guess you can have kids at 20. You just said yes in my ear. Why would you say that? I said 24 or 25. You said yes. It can't be yes. It's either 24 or 25. Anyway, it's not part of the story. It's not germane. The Baltimore Ravens beat the Tampa uh, Tampa Bay Bucks. We're 124 and 100. That was our pick of the day. Don't be scared to pick against Tom Brady. Tom Brady has lost three in a row for the first time in 20 years. Two games under 500 at three and five for the first time in his entire career. It's totally insane. Now, the Buccaneers don't have a lot of help. They're very injured. But guess what? Tom Brady is not Tom Brady. It didn't matter who was around Tom Brady for the majority of his career, which is how you become the GOAT. The GOAT can only be the GOAT. If anyone can do it, then it's not spectacular. Everybody says Tom Brady had all these great teams. He had Bill Belichick. He had great defenses. He had great receivers. He had great tight ends during the course of his time with the Patriots. So... To be the GOAT, you have to be able to be great when those around you cannot be. You can't be the GOAT at 45. You are the GOAT, but you can't play as though you're the GOAT. It's done. The Buccaneers are done. All right, picks of the day. We have a weekend coming up. Today's Friday? Um, I'm showing Friday on the board. Oh, of course it's Friday. First day of the World Series. Today is Friday, October 28th. It felt like not a Friday. I don't know what day it felt like. We're taking the Astros tonight over the Phillies. That's our World Series pick. We're taking Verlander over Nola. The Astros are a better team top to bottom. I'm taking the Astros in the series in six games. That's a wait to see, Coca. An official wait to see is the Astros win this series. And then a secondary wait to see is they win it in six games. In order to start that process, they have to win tonight. Don't be scared of laying the money. Uh, Astros over the Phillies.
tomorrow we're taking a basketball game. Can we talk about the NBA? Coke and I, in preparing for this show, we're talking about how strange it is that every day you read about players who are scoring 30 points, 35 points, 38 points. Luka got past 40 yesterday. John Moran seems to score 38, 37. Kyrie and KD of the Nets are scoring 35, 37. Do you remember when NBA final scores were 94, 90? That didn't just make that up. That's my favorite final score of any game. 94-90 was the game seven score when the Knicks beat the Pacers to go to the NBA Finals and lose to the Rockets in seven. To this day, that is my favorite sporting event of all time, including World Series, Pennant, Bartman, anything. The most excited I've ever been at a game because I was only a fan. Not only, that's a terrible way to say it, and I don't mean it, because being a fan was actually, gave me way greater pleasure than being a team president. And now that I'm not a team president, it's hard to even be a fan again. The emotion that I felt, the emotional attachment to the New York Knicks was so significant when they won 94-90. So whenever I'm asked to, hey, what's what's your favorite score? It's always 94-90. But back in the 90s, It was defense. That's what mattered. The NBA said, you're bored by that. He basically, the NBA commissioner and the owners insulted you as fans to say, you don't want to see defense. You don't want to see David Stern did not like the thuggery brand of basketball. However racist that comment, the undertone is. Wanted to make sure there's three pointers. Wanted to make sure there's free-flowing basketball because you like seeing 135 to 122 scores. Not sure that I agree. There's nothing like those NBA games. Remember when we had uh, Chris on the on the show and wrote the book about blood at the garden? I hope you went back and read that book because you should. So on Saturday, the Grizzlies are playing the Jazz. I'm taking the Grizzlies on the money line. People may not talk about them because they're Memphis. People may be infatuated with Zion Williamson. By the way, Coca, I did not check. Has Zion Williamson only missed the one game? with the hip contusion and the back, et cetera, this season? Or did the Pelicans play a second game that he did not play? I don't know if you know that at all. But John Morant is from the same draft as Zion Williamson. And I've told you 10 times, I'm going to tell you 10 more, the New Orleans Pelicans would rather have John Morant. The Jazz have totally outperformed. The line is not going to be as crazy as it should be. The Jazz are not a good team. Grizzlies, money line over the Jazz. Sunday, we're going to talk about a football game. I'm going to wake up for it because Saturday night is game two of the World Series. So I'll be off the air on CBS Sports HQ by, I don't know, 1230, maybe 1 a.m., get back to the hotel, watch a movie, hang out, knowing that I have to just hang in there until 930 on Sunday. And Sunday is an off day of the World Series. 930 a.m. is the Jaguars against the Broncos. The Broncos are in an interesting situation because they have been in the news the entire week. They've frankly been in the news the entire month. First, let me give you the pick, and then let me tell you why they've been in the news. The pick is Jaguars two and a half over the Broncos. I don't think you can realize how nerve-wracking it is for me to pick the Jaguars and how seriously I take the nothing personal pick of the day. We are 24 games over 500. That is far more than 50%. We're doing well. Astros over Phillies, Grizzlies money line over the Jazz, and then take the Jaguars two and a half over the Broncos. The Broncos are just an absolute unmitigated disaster. 
anytime you have to have your GM defend your quarterback, it's bad. It means you're not winning games. We talked to you yesterday, I think, or maybe the day before, about how the Broncos seem to be on national television. They're like a primetime game every week. Well, this is also a primetime game. London is a primetime game. Now, just because it's 9.30 a.m. and 6.30 on the West Coast, 7.30 in Denver, doesn't make it not a primetime game. Because I'm not talking about day of game. I'm talking about not time of game. I'm talking about the fact that the entire country gets to watch the game. That's my definition of a primetime game. So you're going to have a chance to watch the Jaguars and the Broncos if you wake up early enough, which you should. I have no idea what would cause a general manager of a team to comment about a player's contract of a player on their team and defend that contract in the middle of a season where the contract is indefensible because the player is playing so badly. This has happened. I've had scores of underperforming players, terrible contracts, absolutely pathetic signings that I've been a part of, without a doubt. But I'm not defending them right in the middle of the season, publicly. George Patton is the GM of the Denver Broncos, and he was asked, hey, what about Russell Wilson's $245 million extension? First of all, Russell Wilson did not get a $245 million extension. Let me be very clear. In football, not all the money is guaranteed. Only $161 million is guaranteed. So when I talk about Russ Wilson's contract, I use the word 161. I shouldn't use the word only because it's one of the great overpays of all time, though people think Russell Wilson is one of the greatest quarterbacks. He won the Super Bowl with Seattle like a decade ago. But for whatever reason, the media likes referring to the notional number, the unguaranteed portion included. There's 104 million, um, excuse me, <laughs> that's not exactly accurate. There's 39 and 45, which is 80, 80 what? $84 million that's not guaranteed. It's Friday. What do you want from me? So Russell Wilson got this $245 million contract. <laughs> 161 and he's not playing well the team is not playing well and the GM said quote when asked why he signed it, it let, me, let me first say how I answer this if I'm meeting the media because I have to meet the media because it's a national game a London game or a playoff game or whatever it is and I know that I'm meeting the media I know I'm going to be asked about Russell Wilson because that's the biggest subject surrounding our team Here's my answer that I've been prepped for and that I've come up with. Excuse me, George, why did you sign Russell Wilson to a $245 million contract extension when you hadn't seen him take one snap for your team? Well, the opportunity to get a franchise-altering quarterback and to provide stability for our team was one that I did not want to pass up and I wanted to make sure that not just our community and our fans, but that the entire team and Russell himself were aware that we were committed to him. And we were willing to show that commitment with a sizable contract because we felt and feel 
that he is going to return the Broncos to our rightful place as Super Bowl champions and take his spot next to John Elway and Peyton Manning as some of the greatest quarterbacks, not just to play the game, but the greatest sports figures in Denver. His ability to become a member of our community and help raise the tide of all players with whom he plays is unmatched, unrivaled, and I didn't need to have him in a Broncos uniform to know it because in the NFL, we all know it. That's it. Leave it be. Instead, George said, we wanted to get ahead of the contract cycle. We had seen how Russ was in the offseason and training camp, and we felt really good about Russ. We feel really good about Russ. Huh? I couldn't even believe that. What contract cycle? Let's start with that. Two. We had seen how Russ was in the offseason. What, you watched him go out and run five miles and lift weights? Did he run stairs? What, did he make a couple community appearances for you? Did you see him courtside? Did you see him sitting with Roger Goodell? What are you talking about? We loved him in training camp. (laughs) I'd be a good quarterback in training camp. You're not allowed to be touched. What, he threw a couple good spirals and you said, hell yeah, that looks like a buck 61. It's preposterous. It makes the Broncos look like fools. It makes the GM look like he he somehow got the job by staying at a Holiday Inn Express. It makes Rob Walton look ridiculous as the new owner. And then he doubled down. That's the strange part. He didn't stop talking. He said, I feel good about that deal. I feel like it will hold up. I feel good about Russ. Okay. I I can't even. And then he was asked about his coach, the most embattled coach, the guy who could be fired if they lose Sunday in Jacksonville. And he said, I support Nathaniel Hackett 100%. He's been in this seven games as a head coach. The scrutiny he's faced is unprecedented. Hey, um, George, there's another word we don't use when we're talking or in statements. There is nothing in the sports world that's unprecedented. I mean, Tom Brady being two games under 500, unprecedented for him. But scrutiny being unprecedented, absolutely not. So don't say it. You know, we've had four primetime games, so he's kind of had to learn with the whole world watching. He's trying to give his head coach a pass because they played in front of the world? Hello, this is not the 1940s. Everybody's watching every game. It doesn't matter whether they're the only game. How many games are in the 4 o'clock slot? What, there's two 4 o'clocks and a 425? NFL plays on every damn day. There's like five games. There used to be 20 games at a time. Now there's like, what, seven one o'clock games, three four o'clock games, and then a Thursday, a Sunday night, and a Monday? Add London to that, it takes one away. Everybody has their own window, it appears, in the NFL. If I'm Nathaniel Hackett reading that, I'm 
pretty much thinking I'm about to get hacked. Have a safe weekend, everybody. Watch some baseball. Watch some football. More importantly, do something fun for yourself. It's just business. We'll be back Monday, I promise. This is Nothing Personal. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.